This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is sponsored by the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists. For more about UBCP Actra, visit ubcp.com. That's ubcp.com. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Firminger, and today I am delighted to welcome John Emmett Tracy to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Okay, John, this is where I say my thesis statement. You ready? Let's do it. Duplicitous, sinister, evil. Those are words that come to mind when I think of the many characters that John Emmett Tracy so skillfully inhabits. Poisonous characters like August Cartwright on Batwoman, or Enzo Lambert on iZombie, or Mary Alice's dad in the Spear Sisters' award-winning Twilight short, The Mary Alice Brandon File. Cunning characters like lawyer Ellis Steele on Yellowstone or Pallas on Olympus. Many of his characters could be delivered as caricatures of evil, but John somehow manages to infuse them with some degree of humanity so that you, as a viewer, feel even more terrified and even more betrayed when he inevitably leans into the dark side. So today, I want to talk about the mechanics of evil and the joys and challenges of portraying duplicitous, sinister, and evil characters. I want to find out where John Emmett Tracy comes from, what he wants from his art, when he's happiest as an actor, and how both of those desires have changed over the course of his career. And I want to talk about open first submissions. A comedy, a comedy, can you believe it? A comedy in this age for which he was recently nominated for Leo and UBCP Actor Awards. And I want to know if he's really Team Dutton at heart. Because come on, who in real life besides soulless corporate goons would want to carve up Yellowstone Ranch? John Emmett Tracy. (laughs) Welcome to the YBR Screen Scene Podcast. Thank you. And thank you for that introduction which i'm still trying to process that was a lot of words at the beginning there are a lot of a lot of individual words and i i i have my own list of words oh. uh, for my characters so i would say things like misunderstood uh kind uh shy um generous are any of these resonating with 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 what i put on screen no okay well um she's shaking her head uh, <laughs> uh and now laughing uh, hysterically okay no, thank you for that introduction. That was fantastic. Great to be here. Very happy to have you here. Um, I'll admit, I have, I have watched it. I have revisited a few John, John Emmett Tracy roles uh, in the last uh, 
few days, including August on Batwoman. Uh, also, Batwoman was back for season two with a totally different show, still rooted in the, the conceit of the first. Um, and, uh, and, and also, um, I, I mean, I love... Uh, the Spear Sisters. So you know, going back and watching yes. their their film, and I also I, I was talking to John before I watched um, twenty nine episodes of Yellowstone in a week, and that is uh, amazing. It's one of my fa- favorite things that I've watched during the pandemic. Um, but you know, I did I did notice kind of a, a a strand running through all of these these characters, and it was that duplicity, you know, and and the evil, but not just being like a kid, because it's so, I would imagine that, you know, you read an evil character, like let's even start with somebody like August, and you're, you could go like one of two ways. You can go like full, like almost comic book character, right? And just be like, you know, the, but when we, when we first meet him, even in the show, he's, he looks like you're looking right now, like kindly, you know, very <laughs> calm. Um, and, and then we see, which makes the horrible things that he does even more horrifying. So I want to start with evil. Let's start with evil. evil. Okay. Let's start about with evil. like what are the joys of playing an evil, sinister, and duplicitous character? Yeah. And like, am I correct at, at assuming that you you have a lot of these? I mean, you have a very long filmography, but you do seem to have a lot mm. of these in your filmography, yeah. right? People cast you in this type of role. Mm-hmm. I wonder what that is. What about my face, you know, must, uh, must uh, send them in that direction. Although I will, I will tell this story. My mother doesn't like it, of course. She doesn't like that I'm being cast as these villains. And, uh, you know, she will usually say to me things like, you know, I'll, I'll warn her. I'll, I'll call her ahead of time if she's going to watch something. And I'll say, now look, mom, this one's going to be, this one's going to be upsetting. You know, you're not going to like this. I kill just, a kitten in this one. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I did ask them not to watch that one. Uh, but uh, the, no, and she'll say, no, no, it's fine. Your sisters are here. We're going to watch. It'll be great. And so I sort of stay on the phone because I sometimes know. And then many times it'll end up with her sort of screaming at me in the phone, you know, kind of like, put down the gun. What are you doing? Why? Why? No. I didn't no. raise you that way. <laughs> this kind of thing. And it must be strange to watch your child uh, do these things. Yeah, evil. Um, you know, well, for start, they get the best names, right? I mean, Ellis Steele, come on. August That's a Cartwright. great name. August Cartwright's a great name. Enzo Lambert, I mean, you brought up these names. Um, they, they tend to uh, have cool names. Yeah. You know? I, so I'm collecting, I'm collecting good character names. Um, no, yeah, you know, it's funny because you've talked to a lot of actors and, and by the way, may I say, I've really, since I met you at the UBCP actor award ceremony, I've started listening to your podcast and I absolutely love these conversations. So um, it's a thrill to be here. And, but, but because you talk to a lot of actors, you know, you, you probably know that, you know, you'll hear actors say, well, you don't start by thinking of them as evil and you, you know, you do your best to find the humanity underneath. And, and, and that's really true. And it's something that goes all the way back to my earliest work, uh, you know, on stage, you, you try not to play the villain, you sort of, you know, try to find out what they want and what right. they're out for. Um, and, you, and, and you find ways that, you know, how does your character see itself, you know, himself, he, he sees himself as, um, a straight talker, you know, he says it like it is. Uh, he's not afraid to step on toes. You know, you start with things like that where his own self-image is not 
mm, here I go to be evil, you know, to be, um, but, but of course we've all got our own sort of sliding scale of, of, of morality and, and what we're willing to do and how far we're willing to go. So it is a lot of fun to, to find that and portray it. And then depending on the style of the show, you can go even further. Mm. Uh, you know, I mean, Enzo Lambert was on iZombie and it was a zombie show, you know, zombies with day jobs. So, uh, you know, you could sort of, you could sort of go a little further with that as opposed to like Yellowstone, which is a, you know, a, a naturalistic drama. Um, so evil, I guess, to finally answer your question, I don't think about evil when I'm doing them. I sort of just go, what does this guy want? And let's, mm. let's see what it takes to get it. You know, with, with, with Ellis Steele, you meet him and he's, yeah, he's quite, he's quite uh, friendly and uh, invites, invites the boys for lunch. And, you know, uh, he, um, I think he knows how to get what he needs. And, and you have to be different people uh, for different uh, purposes, I suppose, is the way some of my characters look at it. Yeah. Why do you think it's important to see evil on mm. screen? Yeah. I mean, because this is something that, I mean, you talk about stage. I know you, you have played in the realm of Shakespeare, you know, evil is not a new theme at all. It's something no. that, frankly, we love, I love to watch it on screen. You know, what, why do you think it's important to see representations of right. evil and duplicity? Yeah, such a great question. I mean, I, I, what I want to say is, you know, times are difficult and politically things have been happening that make us all feel a certain way. But, but then again, as you point out, this is nothing new, right? There have always been villains. And I think it means that there are always, uh, you know, the, the yin and yang of life. There's always the positive and negative happening in the world and in our communities and in society. And, you know, one of the nice things about having an outright villain, somebody to boo and, and hiss at, is uh, it, it, it lets us sort of, you know, get some of that energy out and some of that frustration and, you know, some of this... Uh, you know, why, 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 is, why is the world the way it is? And we, we can find someone to focus on and to be angry at. Uh, mm. and, and, and shows sort of need conflict for there to be drama, right? Even a comedy does. So um, as long as they want me to come, you know, be that conflict, uh, <laughs> I'm happy to, to show up. Yeah. How does playing evil and playing bad people who you as the character might be like, no, I'm not bad, I'm a hero of my own story, whatever, you've played bad people. August Cartwright, bad people. Um, but how Wait does playing bad people impact you as an artist and as a human being? Like, do these roles imprint on you in some way? Do they, do they change where your moral center is? Like, do they, ah. like how do they live in, in you? Because if, especially if you're at a point where you're, you're finding the humanity in, in, an evil person like August. And, you know, for people who haven't watched Batwoman, first of all, why haven't you watched Batwoman? Go watch Batwoman. Yes. Um, but in season one, you know, August is a, he's a father and um, a plastic surgeon and he kidnaps a, a little girl. He kidnaps um, Beth Kane, Kate Kane's sister. Um, and, you know, purportedly from a place of wanting to, you know, have a playmate for his son, but, mm -hmm. you know, ultimately like, you know, tortures her and, and just totally breaks, breaks who she is. God, I'm getting angry at your face, <laughs> not you, John, but just the face of August uh, right. as I'm, as I'm talking. Um, but, you know, that was a character who, 
could completely rationalize to himself, you know, why he was doing what he was doing. Mm -hmm. So I'm just wondering the impact that these characters have on you. Right. Well, you know, that's a, that's a great question. And I, I suppose, I suppose what I'm hearing is you, you think that kidnapping, murder and animal cruelty make him bad. So, uh, you know, we've all got our own uh, sort of sliding scales there. Um, but true, you're absolutely right. You see that on paper and you think, okay, so how do I enter this? And and this will also touch on your first question or, uh, you know, what you asked about, you know, the idea of evil. When, when I was first cast in the role, um, I sat down with the director, Carl Seaton, who's a phenomenal director and also from Chicago, by the way. Um, ah. And it was an interesting conversation because at the time we chatted, he was about to be a father. He was about to be a dad for the first time. And I also am a dad, you know, I've got some kids. And when I auditioned for the role, you know, I caught that bit that you mentioned, you know, this was for a playmate for my son. And I thought, okay, let me start there, right, and go forward. And Carl mentioned to me that he noticed that in the audition, that I was genuinely looking after my son. And he said, let's talk about being a dad. And we sat down on set. I mean, he took time with me, which is not easy for, for, for a, a network television, you know, an episodic director. There's a lot to do. And he made sure that he made some time for us to talk about parenthood and what it means. And, and he said, I don't want to see that this guy's trying to be evil, what I'd love to see. And again, he said, what, what you brought to the audition is the idea that this kid matters to you and your judgment is off, perhaps, and you, 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 you go about things all the wrong way but you, you, th you do have a reason for doing what you're doing. And so really that's kind of how you do it, you know? And so it was kind of interesting to, um, to chat with him about that, especially because he was about to be a dad. Um, and in fact, um, I, just, uh, I just heard from uh, a mutual friend that he's back doing another episode of uh, Batwoman this season. So I can't wait to see that. I, I really, having nothing to do with being in it myself, I thought that he did such an incredible episode uh, that first, it's the first one where you meet Cartwright and uh, all oh, those wow. flashbacks begin. So, yeah. But did you have a, a favorite scene or, or like a most traumatic scene from, from your time on Batwoman? Uh, you know, it, it, uh, traumatic. Oh yeah. And I'm, I'm realizing I didn't answer your, does it live with you after all? I'll, I'll touch back on that. Uh, it, it tends to be. Thank you for trying to, no, can I just say thank you for trying to keep track of all my questions? Cause I know well, no, that this, this is, is like a conversation <laughs> type interview. This isn't like this a question is, answer yeah. type interview. So. <laughs> no, Sabrina, it's more about my rambling answers than anything. Uh, no, it, it, it really, it depends on who you're working with and, and, and how it's going. It's usually not necessarily the content of the scene. Um, I loved working with those kids. And as strange as that's going to sound to people, I really love getting to work with animals. And so the scene with the cat, which was, you know, there are pictures circulating out there of the kids and I cuddling the cat and petting the cat and, you know, playing with the cat, you know, moments after that scene was filmed, uh, cat was shying away from me for some reason. I'm not really sure what, <laughs> what that was about, but yeah. So, um, but you know, scenes with Sam Littlefield who, who, who played my, the grown up version of my son, and then Rachel Scarston is, is, is something else. I mean, it's, it's really about that. It's about who you're working with on the day. Um, I had a really fun, strange, um, sticky couple of days with Ruby Rose because I was covered in sticky blood, you know, <laughs> and I'm um, sorry, spoiler. Um, I cut, my character cuts himself shaving. And so there's a lot of blood. No, um, the, yeah. So, so I think when I think back on, 
on the experience of filming any scene. It's about, and then it's not just the actors, it's the director you're working with, it's the crew, uh, it's the makeup people. You always remember the day. And I, I wonder if other actors would tell you the same thing. When I watch a scene, um, and I don't see them all, but when I see a scene that I'm in, it's really hard to get lost in the story. I just remember, oh, that was such a funny day because you know, so-and-so was on camera B and he was telling this really great story. You know, I sort of remember the day better than, you know, being able to follow the story. Mm. Um, and as for do they live with you, I, I think that's such a great question because um, I, I read something not too long ago that was a fascinating study about what actors do. And it compared it to the concept of a dream. And you know how sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll have a dream about somebody, um, Let's pick on your husband because you were doing that before we began. Um, we, we, and you, you'll be mad at him in the dream. You'll wake up. What'll happen, right? You'll still kind of be a little grouchy at him when you see him. Or Oh, or I will smack his arm and he'll wake up. What? I'm like, you know what you did in my dream. This is right. Well, and I know that arm smack because I've received it. <laughs> so so um, they're not from you, uh, from my wife. Oh, yeah! uh, but the... the uh, so... Um, no, and, and, and the idea that you can wake up from a dream or maybe, maybe you're in the dream with a friend and something unusual happens or something and then you see that person next time and you think, oh, you know, and, and they say that, you know, dreams are there, they're designed to help us rehearse scenarios so that we're ready for them later. And they leave a little imprint, I'm going to get this all wrong scientifically, but they'll leave so, sort of a chemical imprint on you that lets that feeling still happen. So if you're dreaming of being chased by a bear, uh, you know, it leaves a little chemical imprint so you, you know to be alert when you see a beast chasing you or something. So, but this study done at a university, and I wish I, I could tell you where and when, but uh, it talked about how actors in their deepest moments, hopefully, if they're super connected to what's happening, uh, it can have the same effect. You know, and you do hear stories of people working together that end up having either wonderful or difficult relationships later based on really connecting in, in some certain way. So, um, I find to finally, you know, we'll be done with the hour and I will have finally answered your first question. Yeah. Um, the, the, no rush, take your time. If, if I play a role for a long time, um, you know, so something really intense, like a Hamlet or something that goes on for nine months or a year. Uh, yes, is my answer. It'll start to seep in and, and, and you, you know, I'm not somebody who, who, I don't do anything that that sort of feels as though um, you know I'm I'm pretending to be the person in real life. I don't I don't use any of those tools. They don't tend to work for me. So, but what I do is you're just kind of feeling those emotions every day. You know, in rehearsals and in performance, you're constantly feeling that that self-loathing or the you know those kinds of feelings or the the, the despair that some of these characters will go through. I think it's impossible to not have that little imprint on yourself. And after a while, you have to remind yourself, things are good. I've got this great job and I'm you know, having this wonderful time working with these people. I don't get that experience though with television because um, for both better and worse, it happens really quickly. Mm -hmm. mm, and I say better because you're, you, you don't really wallow in it or think too much. You just get down to work and, 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 and tell the story. And I like that. Uh, but, you know, and another benefit is that you, um, you, you don't really have time, I don't think, for the emotions to deeply, deeply, you know, hit you. Um, maybe some actors that play a continued, painful, difficult storyline over a long period of time on a show mm -hmm. um, might have that experience. But, 
Yeah. Was there any answer in there? I'm sure we can we can find one in post. I'm kidding. These are wonderful, thoughtful answers. Okay, so I'm going to change the order of my questions a little bit. Um, I love that you're drinking out of a Guinness mug. Are you drinking Guinness yes, out of the Guinness mug? Or? No, but it does make my tea taste a little better. So I just yeah. Uh, you know. Okay, um, we're gonna we're gonna hold off on talking about Yellowstone and okay. about open for submissions um, because I want to go back in time. Uh, if you've listened to the to the podcast, you know that yes. first of all. Time travel vehicle of choice. What you got? I yeah. So I I haven't heard this one, but I I there's it's impossible that nobody has talked about the DeLorean. It must have come up twenty times already. I mean, it's pretty much the the it's go the, to. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, but that's okay. It's a it's one of the best. I mean, it's for me best. personally, no, I say one of the because I'm I'm. I love the TARDIS. Mm. Like I have, I, I have, you can't see, but I have like a graffiti painting of David Tennant as the 10th Doctor on my wall. Oh, fantastic. This, actually, you know what? I'm going to let you see Let's it. Let's do it. I'm going to take it off the wall. Oh. Oh, wow. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, so for me, Doctor Who is... Uh, is everything. It's kind of a big deal, but I grew up with it too. I guess I grew up with the DeLorean as well, but like I just, yeah. I remember some of my earliest memories are like, okay, it's Sunday afternoon. Let's watch, you know, Tom Baker as a yeah. doctor on PBS. Oh, um, of course, of course. All the different doctors. Well, okay. So if the DeLorean is spoken for, because every other actor has asked for it, I'm going <laughs> to, and I'm sure the TARDIS, you'll be in that. So let's, I'll, I'll use a, I'll do a time traveling Guinness mug. And I, I feel like nobody will have chosen that yet. That is... That might be the best one. That might be okay. the best one. And it's bringing me back right now. I can feel myself yeah. on my way back. Right. Okay. So we're going back in time to, I have a 10 year old. I love the age 10. I think our emotions are very pure. We have a pretty, it's like it's us at our most distilled selves in a lot yeah. of ways. So what kind of a kid were you when you were 10 and, and what did you want to be when you grew up? And also, where are we? Where are we? So let's see. Um, I was born in Chicago, and my parents are divorced. So one's in Milwaukee, and one's in Chicago. So I don't. Those those cities are about an hour to an hour and a half apart. So they're very close, and they both feel like hometowns to me. Mm. So, but at ten, I would have been in Milwaukee, and um, I was already an actor. I was already. I'd already told the world that's what I do. Um, and this is after, you know, three or four years of being a magician. So at 10, I was still a magician and I was doing, you know, little shows and, um, you know, just for the family or for neighbors or whoever would. And I started doing kind of uh, escape route, like rope, you know, tri like they would, they would, they would tie me up and I would, I could escape any rope. I was sort of trying to channel. Harry Houdini. You were Harry Houdini. Yeah. I yeah. was a 10 year old. Uh, yeah. And um, my mother hated that as well. But for the record, let's talk about things my mother uh, didn't like uh, in my career. She didn't like, you know, neighbors tying up her 10-year-old and uh, who can blame her, you know. But I also was um, a huge fan of magicians. And there were some local magicians, you know, sort of in that Midwestern region that used to tour around. And I knew their routines backwards and forwards. And yeah. I used to attend them and I would... I remember I would try to be chosen as the kid, which I frequently was, who got brought up on stage with them to sort of do the assistant thing or the, the gag, you know, uh, they put my head in a guillotine and chop it off or whatever. Uh, and so 
I'm starting to want to call my mother and apologize for this trauma that I must have been putting her through now that I'm now that, now that we're having this therapy session. Yeah, I mean that's really that's really what this podcast is. That's what this, this is. Therapy. You want to call her? We could bring her can in the call and the, talk through some get her stuff. Call, please. Um, so uh, you know, and I would start to these magicians would start to recognize me, you know, and they would they would I, I would wear bright colored clothing in the audience, so they'd call me up, and I knew how the tricks worked, and I knew how to sort of act my way into the gag a little bit, and I would sort of play it up and get a couple of laughs, and I I. I you know, was recently telling a friend, I remember one of the magicians sort of leaning over and saying, you're doing a great job, kid. Like right there on stage, you know, quietly so the audience couldn't hear. And I was just so excited and so thrilled. So, yeah, that's who I was, kind of a, you know. What do you think is, sorry. So, like, but, I mean, I magic seems a little bit different than acting. Like, in, Mm -hmm. in, from what I understand, my uncle was a magician. Like, it's, because it's about performing, um, but it's also about creating yes. illusions, you mm-hmm. know? And um, I mean, there's a science to it, you know, it, in a way that I don't know if acting is in the same kind of, in the same science. Like I, I kind of, I don't know why I feel like they must live in slightly different parts of the, of the brain. Like, was it, was it about performing? Uh, um, like as far as the, ma- the magic went or was it something a little different? I guess like, what did you, what, what drew you to magic? What excited you about it? Yeah, that's a great question. I, they do live in different parts of the brain, but to me, where I think they meet is, you know, as silly as this may sound to some people, I, I got into this because I'm, I'm so excited, a lifetime devotion to that once upon a time. You know, it's always the, the, just the let's tell a story. Everyone sit down, gather around, you know, and um, I had grandparents who were great storytellers and mm. I remember my great grandmother from Ireland used to sit us around, you know, gather around and she would tell a story and just that sort of people gathered around a a fire and talking or around floodlights or in the living room when they're tying me up to, to do my magic act. I, I, um, I just, I like being part of the storytelling, you know, the once upon a time. And, and so that's, I think why I said earlier, my favorite scenes depend on who I'm collaborating with because it's, Mm it's jumping in with a bunch of people and saying, let's put on a play, you know, and, 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 and bringing a story to other people. So it wasn't, it wasn't really about performing other than I think that's where I figured out I fit in best. You know, Um, I used to direct plays in my uh, grade school classroom. I had a teacher in, in uh, grade five who used to devote the very end of every Friday. She would let me spend the week creating a play like a sort of a variety show sort of play. And she would give me a 30 minute slot every Friday afternoon. She sort of recognized this in me. Um, and I don't think for my entire fifth grade year, I ever went outside for recess because I was always inside rehearsing to get ready for the show. And uh, it was a really great gift she gave me. Um, her name was Mrs. Rodine and I'll never, I'll never forget her, but she recognized this in me. And so I used to have to sort of bribe my friends with candy to, to miss recess to get them to rehearse with me. And I, I realize how difficult directing is, and I have directed a lot of theater since, but <laughs> I don't know, I sort of found that, um, I, I love writing and directing, but I figured out that performance was where I can sort of contribute the most. You know? Yeah. So how did you, like, how did we get here? Like, you know, I mean, you are, you're 10, you, you, you've already been, you know, do, doing some performing and you're a magician. Um, 
but you know, that's, that's also a far cry from like, I'm making this my career. I always feel mm -hmm. weird using the word career because it's especially about something that's a calling or a passion, mm -hmm. you know, but like, how, like what were you, what steps did you take, you know, to make this your quote unquote career? I know how you feel about like, do you, do you have weird things about the word career? Like I always feel like a career is something that, you know, you work and then you retire from. Like I don't see artists as people who ever really retire. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, yeah. I, I like the word I recently heard someone say vocation, you know, is a, is a great way to talk That's about great something that really um, has driven you and that, you know, if we're lucky enough, like we are, uh, like you clearly are to do, to do work that is meaningful to you. Um, so I like that word. Um, and how did I get here? The, it, it really was in those days, especially where I lived in the Midwest, there weren't as many opportunities as I would have wanted, but I was constantly in those days, I was sort of typing up acting resumes on a typewriter, yo. So um, look it up uh, listeners. And, and, you know, then messing it up and kind of crumpling that one up and starting over again. And then going to the yellow pages, look it up. Look and, that up. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then mailing, look that up, mailing my, my photos and resumes to, to anything that had the word theater in it or, you know, maybe agencies or whatever I could find. Because I really loved the feeling of being part of these, you know, storytelling moments. and. Um, so my parents did not come from performing arts background. There is some legend of a, of a vaudeville actor uh, on the Tracy side, but um, I haven't done enough research to, 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 to confirm that. But uh, so there was no performing in my family, really. My older sister enjoyed it too. And we used to do this sort of plays together and things like that. But it was, it was my parents started then looking for opportunities for me is what it was. And they were sort of giving me voice lessons and taking me to auditions or, you know, whatever whatever trick and joke magic shops in the area knew us by name you know this kind of thing so they would they would encourage it as best they could um and then you know i think the one thing they said to me i was in a play once and an agent approached us and i was only about as you brought up 10 or 11 um maybe a little bit older i can't remember but uh this agent wanted to chat with us and actually came to our home you know drove uh from this agency in chicago came to our home and said you know, we'd like to consider, you know, bringing John in, on board. And so that was one that gave my parents pause. And they said, look, you know, we, we'll support everything you do. Um, but we, we'd, ra we'd rather you're not professional at this. We don't want our kid to have a job. And so they said, would you, you know, try to get through university? And then if you still feel this, we're 100% behind you. So mm -hmm. they were very supportive. And I did, I went to university and got a theater degree, you know, and um, just never stopped doing theater. Um, whatever I could, uh, I would be in a play at my own school and then I would be in a play at my girlfriend's school because they were, you know, and I was sort of trying to juggle those and, you know, run back and forth. So yeah, that's how I got here. That's, yeah. that's it. So when you, when you started your career, your vocation, I'm okay. when, well, I like, vocation. When, you, when you started wanting to like, you have, I, maybe it's, it's about the making money aspect. You're putting, you got to mm. put food on the table. You got to pay your rent. Yeah. So when it came to do that, like, what did you want? What did you want at the beginning of your career? And how has that changed over the course of your career? Of my career vocation. Yeah. Um, great, 
great idea, uh, great thing to ask about because you know, I, I, I truly, I think I probably was just headed for theater and just you know Shakespeare was kind of where my brain was, um, and then I met my wife. We actually met um, when I was in Japan playing Hamlet on a tour of Japan, and she's mm-hmm. Canadian, but she was there uh, traveling, and we met on the train. We met, we just saw each other across a crowded train, you know, and, um, and I don't know, something about, you know, starting a family, I, I started to think, uh-oh, um, as my friend Jeremy says, these big Shakespeare corporations weren't hiring, uh, you know, for career, for career level positions. So I thought, oh, I better, I better start looking at some of these other avenues that, that, that pay a little better. But, but I was always a film fan, you know, always a television and film fan. I did love it. And I, certainly would have always done it. And I was doing some back then, just kind of if it came around, but I was, I was really looking at the big Shakespeare festivals and, you know, dreaming of acting at the Globe Theater or, you know, the, 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 the Royal Shakespeare Company or one of these, you know, kind of things. Um, and I've, I've, I've realized some of those dreams already now. And, um, but, but yeah, I think I got into film and TV more because, um, you know, I'm living in LA and I had roommates and we we're all actors and there was sort of 10 of us or seven of us living in an apartment together and we're, you know, doing things. Oh, hold on. Yeah. You must have been what, like three to a room or something? That many? Yeah, that kind of thing. I mean, we did this thing where, you know, rents were expensive and we were all bartenders and waiters. So we, yeah, a lot of sofa sleeping or we would divide the living room up with blankets hanging from the ceiling and go, okay, that's your room this week. You know, we'll trade off or, you know, we just kind of, we're economizing. We were trying to, you know, trying to make the most of our of our money. Headshots in those days were expensive. You know, you had to mm-hmm. buy copies of them and send them around. Uh, but so, yeah, you know, we suddenly one of the roommates would go and do a a commercial or a you know a, an episode of a TV show, and they would sort of be set. They would have rent for the rest of you know the summer, and we'd think, oh, hang on a second, you know, and so yeah, so. I don't want to say, you know, I got into it for money, but it, but it did start to change the way I looked at it, if that answers the question. You know, we're having kids and everything, and I'm yeah. doing plays. and That answered and that kind of, part one. What about yeah, part, part two? Yeah, part one. And yeah. part two, I was, sorry, what, I was still in the time machine. What what was part two? What do you want now? Uh, what are you yeah. looking for now? Mm, wow. Hmm. I should have listened to more episodes and then I could have copied a good answer. Um, my favorite answer, one of my favorite answers that I've heard is Michael cool. Eklund's from his first appearance where he talked about chasing magic, that what he's, what he's, mm-hmm. what he wanted early on. I mean, he wanted to be an actor. He wanted to be in the biz, but then now it's like finding those roles where he has a certain kind of feeling, a feeling that feels almost magical you know, oh, so transformative great. and that he's, you know, that there's a certain kind of alchemy, you know, that happens, you know, when you are on set and you're doing your thing and you're collaborating with other artists. Mm-hmm. So chasing magic. That's, a, I mean, I, maybe I shouldn't have told you that because right. maybe. Well, like, now, yeah, because Michael said alchemy and, and magic. And if I say cash, is that, you know, that's, <laughs> a, that's, a, that's a real letdown for, for our listeners. No, um, he's absolutely right. And, oh, and by the way, he was on your 100th episode, and congratulations on 100 episodes. That's one of the ones I listened to. And your introduction to that episode was so fantastic. It was really... Oh, really yeah. Oh, wow. I just moving. reflecting on that. I got raw in that, in that intro, because I oh, told was... about my, my origin story 
as a as a yeah, nerd. Please go listen to episode one hundred. Uh, you had Michael Eklund. You had one of my favorite people, Amanda Tapping. Uh, you had yours too. Yeah, it's um, one of my best. My best. So me and Amanda and Nicole have a weekly um, Zoom drinking date. Uh, we we used to have it on Tuesday, so we would be the See You Next Tuesday Club. Uh, but now it's on Sundays, so it's more convenient. But we still call ourselves the See You Next Tuesday Cocktail Club. And uh, yeah, they are my. I mean, in this COVID time, um, they're my my rocks. And uh, yeah, yeah, they oh, they're lovely. And another rock, Sharon Taylor. Uh, yes, they were all so great to listen to, and it sounded like such a fun, uh, such a fun time you were all having together. It was clear that you were friends. Yeah, and- it was during that time. Like there were a couple months where we could all see each other again. I was back in the studio, and uh, we had mimosas, and it was it got pretty raucous and raw. <laughs> It was, it was very great. cathartic, I think, for all of us. So thank you for promoting my podcast. Well, congratulations. <laughs> podcast. 100 episodes and, and, and beyond now, which is really, that's really something. And, and please, everyone, listen to that, um, especially listen to that introduction, which was really moving. I think it, 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 it was one of the more moving things I've ever heard on a podcast. It was just wow. It was your, yeah, it was your story. It was great. It was my story. So, um, and I want to tell you a story about Amanda because you already love her, but you're going to love her more. I, I've worked with her several times. And uh, as you know, she's a super, like you are, she's a super champion of, of not just the work, but of, of the people that do the work. And um, the first time I worked with her was on Sanctuary, which was her show. And she was the lead and, um, and she was one of the you know, creators of the show and a producer. And... I was just on for one episode. Um, might have been a villain. Now that we're talking about I'm it, I'm so uh, Sabrina, shocked. But, um, yeah. So shocked. And so, but but you know, I was in the makeup trailer, and there was a knock on the door. And you know, we're used to this knock on the door. Is he ready yet? Kind of thing, you mm-hmm. know. And and makeup. The poor makeup department is usually having to rush. We got this knock, but it was Amanda, and they said, "Sure, he's ready." And so she took me. Nice to meet you. Uh, thanks for being here. I said, thanks for having me. She, she, she literally, she took me by the hand and walked me around the soundstage, introducing me to everyone, to the family. I've never had someone take that much time to acquaint me and to, to introduce me to everyone. And we went around, we went around the room and she was, she, every single member of that crew, she knew she was greeting them. She was saying, how's your, how's your daughter? His daughter had a cold yesterday. You know, like this, this very caring, (laughs) And she, I'm sure she had a yeah. lot of work to, you know, also to get done, but she, she made sure to make that kind of time, which I, I, I've never forgotten. And I've been so glad to work with her. A few and times. that's for real. Like, that's who she is. That's not, uh, that's not something that she puts on that comes from such an authentic place. But what did that do for you, you know, and, and you know, for the work that you had to do that day? Did that change anything about... Oh. That Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure many of your guests tell you it's not easy to come in as the guest star. I mean, it's, listen, it's, it's, it's easier than some jobs, but it's, you know, it can be, everyone knows each other. You know, they've all got the inside jokes. They've all got relationships and you're there for a few days if you're, you know, lucky a week. Um, and to have that kind of uh, welcome and that kind of greeting and that sort of come into the, come into the fold, it goes right back to what we've touched on so many times. And that you mentioned Michael touched on it's collaboration. You know, mm-hmm. it's, um, it makes you feel ready to collaborate and, and be sort of part of the conversation in a way that is, is very rewarding. And it's a lot like what, what Carl did for me on Batwoman. 
to take to take time with a performer is not easy. I mean, the best directors do it. The best directors, and I should say, Amanda wasn't directing that episode, but <clears throat> but the best, you know, sort of um, sh showrunners and directors, and and sometimes you know the leads if they've got the time, will will go out of their way to welcome people into the family, as it were, and it it makes a huge difference, especially to the collaborative, you know, kind of relationship you have with everyone, which I'm good at this, Sabrina, which is the answer to what do I want now? I want to continue to have these collaborative moments. You know, it's yes. Yes. Um, it's, it's, it's that getting together with people and, and saying, let's tell a story, you know, let's make people laugh or let's shock people or whatever it is that we're doing that day. And hopefully a bunch of that all together. Um, if I can keep doing this for as long as they'll let me, and if they'll sort of wheel me in when I can't walk in, I will, I will keep, I will keep doing the, you know, once upon a time as long as I can. Yeah. That's a great answer. Also, you're getting really great at answering my questions. Well, well Michael's, Michael's had involved alchemy and, you know, <laughs> magic, well, magic. magic. Well, yeah, we've already touched on magic. So I thought I would, yeah, but um, no, it's true. It's true. And, um, and I'm really, I'm always grateful. We all are, you know, we're grateful when we get a, when we get a job, we're grateful when we get to sit and talk about it with someone like you, you know, who, who. Flattery will get you everywhere. Such a champion <laughs> of, of, of the scene. I am, I am. This is honestly, this is, you know, I, I, I think a lot about what nine-year-old and 10-year-old me would think of the work that I'm doing. Like, and I, I think that she would think that this is amazing, you know, although she'd also be like, what's podcasting? What are, you could touch yes. screens and things happen. Like, you know, there's a lot Weird. of stuff about the future that she'd be like, whoa, be like we're mom, that's ooh, like, you know. Yeah. What <laughs> we is have going cats, on? but we have dogs. What's going on? Um, yes. well, what about you? What do you think little you, little 10 year old you would think of the life that you have now? Hmm. Other than killing the cat, 10 year old me would be thrilled. Uh, you didn't actually kill the cats. No, I did. I asked for as many cats as possible so that I could really, well, I do like getting into the scene, you know, I like to really experience. <laughs> He's the, kidding. He's kidding. Um, I'm kidding. Um, no, you're right. I, yeah, there was a lot of, um, and you know, I'm, I'm such an animal lover. In fact, the funny thing about that scene, it was, we shot it three days after my family got our little kitty cat, Wesley. Aww. And so we had a baby kitty cat at home and then I was going to work and had this little kitty there. Um, but uh, no, um, I think I think ten-year-old me would be would be thrilled and would say um, you're not rehearsing uh, your sleight of hand enough. Um, your card tricks have have really really gone downhill, but I love the rest of it. That's what he'd yeah. say to me. <laughs> yeah. He sounds very um, righteous and really committed to his craft. Yeah, um, a lot of hours, a lot of hours practice. What's a John Emmett Tracy role? You know, um, and so by that, do you mean, um, you know, in my heart or what is the role that is, you know, how do I describe the way I'm, I'm, I've been cast throughout my life? Yes. No. So huh. I would say that it's, when are you the happiest? Uh. Like in, in what type of character, what type of role are you the happiest, the most engaged and immersed, insert alchemy, insert magic. Insert, insert magic, um, insert time travel. Uh, no, um, 
I suppose my answer will be typical of a lot of actors, and it's, it's if there is complexity, right? If there's nuance to get to play. Um, sometimes it's very uh, straightforward and, and, and simple, and uh, you've got a very straightforward job to do. But other times, you know, you mentioned people like uh, Cartwright or um, Ellis Steele on Yellowstone. They're, they're, the writers on those shows are at sort of the top level of their, of their business, right? Of their careers mm -hmm. too. So their vocations, sorry, writers. And, and they, you know, they give you layers of nuance to play. And um, so whether it's a considered a villain on the surface or a, or a hero or an anti-hero or whatever kind of role you could quickly label it as, those don't matter to me. Um, a character role versus a leading role. That doesn't matter to me as much as um, are there five or six sort of um, layers uh, that I can play here? And, and, and it's not to say that I always um, succeed, although I definitely uh, love the challenge. I like a, a good acting challenge. You know, I, I sort of love working out a really difficult um, creative problem with a director. And that probably comes from years of, of being in the rehearsal room where I feel mm. very comfortable and, and we can sit and go, how can we convey what this writer wants conveyed? Mm -hmm. um, so, and I do think of acting as, as interpretive uh, before it's creative. That's sort of my own theory on it is that I have to interpret what the writers and the directors are looking for. Um, and, and then I can create within there and, and hopefully create with them, you know, and that, that's the best. You mentioned uh, Batwoman and among so many wonderful things about that show, uh, not the least of which is how, how, how devoted they are to reflecting, even in a comic book show, right? They're reflecting visually a lot of what they show, aside from sort of, um, you know, the costumes and such. It's the world we see, you know, they're very, um, they're promoting gender, uh, LGBTQ2S+, uh, BIPOC performers, and, and, and they're not just in front of the camera, but behind the camera as well. Um, which I've been very, very lucky. You know, the shows I've, I've worked on, um, iZombie was very similar, and Yellowstone, you know, many, many female department heads and, and, and people from all different backgrounds and races and ethnicities. So, um, so when, when you, when you um, I, will, I will, Sabrina, I promise, find whatever the question was, mm -hmm, and I mm -hmm. will, you'll see, you'll see. Um, <laughs> Killing time here, folks, while I, um, <laughs> no. Um, do you want me to tell you or do you want to just find sure, it on your I own? I know, you know, I know, but please, yeah, go ahead. Just for the listener. Um, <laughs> Honestly, I've forgotten as well. No, it's fine. It's fine. John Emmett Tracy role. It's a John Emmett Tracy role. It's, it's layers, it's nuance, and it's, it's, it's the ability to play things that, that happen um, on multiple levels at once. And I, oh, I know what I was going to say, Sabrina Firminger, is that, <laughs> is that on Batwoman, we always had one of the writers, especially sort of maybe one of the main writers who created that episode would come up and they'd be here and they'd be on set with you and you had them to talk to and refer to. So we talk about collaboration. It was fantastic. They would, yeah. they would be there to throw in ideas or, or if the director said, okay, in this moment, are we, you know, they'd be there to help us sort of tell each other's story, which was, which was so fun for me yeah. to have writers nearby. 
I don't know how they felt about it, having actors running up to them. <laughs> what does my character want here? Because often so writers, they're, they're in the writer's room. Like they've done an episode, they might be working on the next one, you know, or yes. breaking story. I've heard those yes. words used, breaking, breaking story. story. That's a good, you know, that's a good... not always able to be there on right. set. So that's... Well, on, you know, on Yellowstone, Taylor Sheridan writes the majority of that. And, and he's frequently on set and uh, sometimes even directing. And when he's not, he's there championing everyone. Uh, and uh, it's just a, it's, I think it's not just for actors, for every department, it's a, it's, a, it's a great gift to have the person whose mind and heart this story came out of there lending a, you know, a support or a, you know, an ear or whatever it is that you need in those moments is great. Yeah. The keeper of the universe, the creator, mm -hmm. and it all lives in their well, head. Carolyn Dries is the same way on Batwoman. You know, she's, she, she comes up and she's there and she's cheering people on, you know, so that's great. I want to talk about Yellowstone now. Um, mm. I mean, I've wanted to talk about it from the minute I hit record because as I said, I watched 29 episodes in a week because joyfully uh, seasons one through three dropped on Amazon Prime for Canadians right. uh, on New Year's Eve. So it was a wonderful way to ring in the new year. I will say when I first heard about the show, I didn't think that it was going to be a show for me because I was like, oh, cowboys. Mm -hmm. I was very dismissive of the idea, um, especially as a, you know, as a woman and a woman of color. And, you know, I was like, that's not a world, like that's not a world that holds anything for me. Oh my gosh, how quickly I got over that idea uh, because of the writing, because of the strong, the strong, well, I mean, <laughs> Beth Dutton might be one of my favorite characters of all time. And with, when she comes out with lines like, um, uh, You're, you are the trailer park and I am the tornado, I'm like, mm. that's my spiritual guru now. Um, <laughs> but it was, it's, you know, it's so wonderful to see a show uh, that is, that takes, uh, you know, something that's very specific, which is, you know, ranching in mm -hmm. Montana and yet infuses some wonderful universal uh, ideas around empire building and family mm -hmm. and loyalty and love uh, into it that, you know, I just, I, I mean, you talk about alchemy, there's a lot that's going on, you know, right there. So um, yes. that wasn't a question. That was just a statement about a how awesome and awesome Yellowstone is. And I really, if you think it's not for you, it's for you, it's for you. Uh, it also has been wonderful to watch when I'm literally not leaving my neighborhood during this time of the pandemic. Uh, you get to you get to go to Montana, and so first of all, let's talk about um, let's talk about Montana as a character, as a setting. Had you gone there before Yellowstone? Like, is it just tell me about like is it honestly as beautiful as it looks to be on my screen? Yes, it is. And, you know, when you add some of the top cinematographers, in my opinion, in the world mm. uh, that Taylor brings onto this show, I mean, there are times when, you, when I'm watching the show and I, I just am astonished by, by the pictures that, they, that they're giving us, you know. And, and I will say this, fans of the show know this, but um, maybe this will be news for some people. Um, so in that show Montana is played by Montana and by Utah so 
Yeah. So in the past, uh, huh. the the crew would spend equal time, you know, in Utah and then in Montana. And we, you know, we talked about family on set earlier, that idea of family. And the, the, the Yellowstone crew is very much like that because half of them are from Utah and half of them are from Montana. And so when they're filming in Utah, all the Montana crew members are down there and one, one of the drivers described it to me like going to summer camp. They're down there and the local crew members are showing them around and taking them to the different, this is pre-COVID, taking them to the different places in town to see and, and so forth. And then everyone packs up the circus and moves it up to Montana. And then the Utah folks are there kind of on their little working you know, vacation and getting to know this new area. Both beautiful places. Um, both equally visually stunning for different reasons. And so with, with Yellowstone, you're getting a bit of a blend of both. Wow. Um, so you're seeing, you know, I mean, you've seen episodes of us where you'll see us on a hilltop in Utah, but then you'll see us in front of a, a building in Montana or in front of a mountain in Montana, you know, sort of the next scene. Uh, that happens a lot. So I, I, must, magic. I must give a little Utah shout out there. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's stunning. And it's, I would say Montana is one of the most beautiful places I've ever filmed anything. I mean, there are moments where you're sort of distracted by the, the mountain behind you or, you know, whatever it is, um, and the natural beauty. And, um, but I had been there once before. I actually drove through uh, Missoula, where Yellowstone is based, um, in 1990 two or 93 I think I did a cross-country drive and I drove through that place and um, I thought oh I'd like to come back here someday and then you know so to this to, to date I've now spent probably I don't know eight weeks there or something I really love the city love the people there and uh, yeah it's a, it's a great spot Great, great spot, which I've never been to, but I do feel like I've spent time there because of watching the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's so much that's appealing about the show. Uh, one, one of, one of the main, like, I mean, one of the foundation show, uh, foundation stones of the show uh, is Kevin Costner, um, who, I mean, I have. I've long admired him as, as you know, this movie star. I mean. Like Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves is one of my favorite films, has one of the best villains ever, you know, and the kind of worlds that, that you know, he created and that he was part of. And I think there was a part of me going into the show uh, that, that was like, oh, this is Kevin Costner, you know, playing, you know, and thinking that I wouldn't be able to get over the fact that it's Kevin Costner playing a character. But very quickly, I, for, I forgot that that's Kevin Costner. It's not Kevin Costner, it's John Dutton. You know, and um, so tell me about what is, what uh, Kevin Costner is like as a as a number one. You know, and what you have learned. You know, from from being in the presence of you know somebody who has had the career that he's had, mm-hmm. and you know is firing on all cylinders. You know, even now. For a moment, I thought you were saying he's firing you, John. Um, we've just received <laughs> we've just received word. Um, <laughs> This is the way that they decided to break it to you. <laughs> What's it like to be with a big star that fires you? I think that's what you were, were going to say. Um, true, true. I, I heard Taylor Sheridan, who created the show and, you know, writes most of it and directs a lot of it. And 
I heard him say that uh, to to have somebody like that on a TV show, uh, it's important to him to not um, normalize seeing him on the screen. He said it's a it's a great moment for those of us who have watched him for years and know that he's truly you know he's a legend in this mm -hmm. business and and. Um, the word icon gets used a lot, but I think he's definitely somebody who, who can lay claim to that, to that word. And so Taylor says, you know, I want to humanize John Dutton, but I don't want to normalize him. So you'll never see him sort of brushing his teeth or doing kind of mundane things. He brings Kevin in for important things. And, um, and so that gravity is still there. But as you say, you don't say, oh, Dancing with Wolves guy. You know, you yeah. say you say John Dutton, and he John sort of embodies that. And um, you know, to, to to answer your, I mean, one thing that's interesting to watch Kevin work, and um, is that I I I I believe I just used the word embodied. If not, I'm going to say it right now, embodied. Uh, and you see him sort of settle in before the camera starts, and and he it, it well, his voice changes for one, but his gravity changes. He sort of he takes on the weight of the world. Uh, you know, this all sounds very, um, I don't know how to, what it sounds like, but, it, but it's true. I did, a, I did a long, long scene with him uh, in season three. I didn't have a lot to do, so I had the opportunity to watch, you know, process that different people were going through. And uh, he really does, before the camera rolls, you sort of see him physically uh, change a little bit. Um, I, I, and I'm not trying to romanticize what actors do, but it is an interesting process to watch and his voice lowers in register and he, his face sort of changes. And it's, I, I think it's fantastic to watch and it's really interesting to get the chance to see him in process. And how is he as a number one? I, you know, you'll hear this from everybody, you know, that kind of Amanda tapping thing that I brought up. She was the number one in that show. Somehow for the, for the most part, people that make it to that place uh, in their careers it hasn't been an accident, right? Because there's a yeah. lot of talented people like the two actors I'm mentioning right now, but there aren't lots and lots of extremely talented, extremely successful uh, people who can be as generous as some people can. And so I think that helps people get to where they get to in their careers because um, he's very generous and very patient and calm and encouraging with people around him. And you don't think of him as a very um, demonstrative or chatty guy, right? Um, and of course, when he's working, he's not. But outside of the moments of doing scenes, he's very friendly and cordial and loves to laugh and, and loves to hang with the crew and talk to them. So um, good dude. Good dude. Okay. So I know that Ellis Steele is likely not Team Dutton, um, given <laughs> that, you know, he's working for Markwood Equities. Uh, but who are you rooting for? You know, and so we will point out there was a, Season three, um, big cliffhanger. We there was also. I mean, honestly, Stop. go pause this episode. Go on Amazon Prime. Watch right. twenty nine episodes of in a, Yellowstone. In yeah, a week, in a week, and then come back and finish listening to this. Okay, so you just saw all of what happened. Ah! Welcome, welcome back. <laughs> welcome back. Um, who? You know, so you can't confirm or deny if you're in season four. You can't tell us, you know, if you know what's going to happen. I don't want to know what's going to happen. I want the magic of watching it. However, who are you rooting for? Howevs. Howevs. Yes. Well, you know, I, 
as I mentioned earlier, I don't tend to watch shows that I'm in for the idea of getting lost in them. You know, it's, it's not easy to do because you remember the day or you remember the thing or, 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 or oh, they use that take. Interesting. Uh, and so most of the shows, I don't have an opportunity to sit and watch all of them. Now, a few I have, and Yellowstone is one of them. And good. It's what's so interesting is that, uh, you know, especially now during the pandemic, we're spending all of our time in Vancouver, my family and I, and home. And people in Canada, as you pointed out, don't, they never saw Yellowstone until very recently. And so um, when I landed the role uh, of Ellis Steele, I was talking to somebody in the family, uh, my dad, I think, and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this show Yellowstone, which up here, as I said, people haven't heard of. And my, my father, it went like wildfire through my family. I was getting rapid fire calls from people. That's our favorite show. My entire family for two years, now three, had been binge watching this show together and calling each other and talking about it. And whereas up here, you know, in Canada, people, people hadn't heard of it. And so it's only just now that all my Canadian friends and colleagues, you know, other actors in the community are calling me for the last couple of weeks. I'm getting all these calls going, wait a minute, what are you doing in, in Montana? You know, uh, so. <laughs> and you're uh, like Montana and Utah. Montana and Utah. Thank you. Uh, so, so yes. Um, but I did prior to working on the show, go back and watch the first two seasons. And generally, you know, I'll, I'll watch a bit of a show to kind of get the tone and the mood and the feel of the show. Even, even before the audition, a lot of times I'll, I'll do that. But this one, as with you, I couldn't, I couldn't stop watching it. I just could not put it away. And I, 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 I blasted through all the episodes. And then I watched all of season three with fans, you know, during the live tweeting. And I watched it as they were airing and uh, really am moved by the story. In fact, I used to have a ritual. I would save my episode script until I was on the airplane going down because it's such an impactful read. And um, the thing that I've said right from the beginning about this show that really impresses me is Taylor Sheridan's ability to be grand and epic and, and, and you know, vista sweeping, you know, imagery and ideas of government and land and ownership and cultural, you know, divide. But then he's able to tell these very tiny kind of thoughtful, intimate, moments in the middle yeah. of those stories that are just as you said about family right they're just yeah. about a dad you know a dad and his kids and i and 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 you know the way the way the camera will just sort of find a, a bird landing on a small spot and it will take its time you know and so you go okay this ain't just uh you know a rough and tumble cowboy show this is a sensitive thoughtful examination of of the interior lives of these people in this very you know rugged exterior yeah that's a great probably, way that you put it again, sabrina there was probably a question a good one and i there was and um that was wonderful your answer but are you rooting for the duttons i guess or are you rooting right, for right, market right, right. equities you, yeah what do you want here what do you who do you want to win here um <laughs> yes not what do you know is going to happen or right. don't know you can curf confirm or deny nothing but you know who right. do you want to win well let's see how do i dance on this um, line. Oh, he's um, dancing. <gasps> You're doing good. <laughs> I, I am absolutely dancing now. I wish this were being filmed. No, uh, I, who doesn't love the Duttons and who doesn't want to see them succeed? Um, 
but like I said about my characters, you do try to approach it from the perspective of what they think is they're doing is is the best thing. But if I have to pick, I'm gonna I'm gonna root for the bunkhouse boys. I'm gonna root for you know Rip and Lloyd and Jimmy and uh, these these fantastic uh, characters there. Did I sidestep your question by just bringing up something completely different? You mm-hmm. kind of did. Well, then mm-hmm. I'm just gonna say. <laughs> I'm I'm rooting for for Beth. Don't want to make her unhappy. I'm rooting for Rip. Yeah. I care mo- most about his feelings most of all, even though he has like the highest body count uh, on the show. Um, I am uh, I'm not rooting for Jamie. Oh. Okay. Even though I, I actually I lean in when he's on screen because he's so fun yeah. to to watch and to see his his pain. Um, and I like to see nice him suffer and f- in real life. You, you know, I think that's how it is because you're a delight and you play you. such well, vile, sinister people. Well, so. this guy, no, he's he's just such a such a fun guy to have a chat with. Uh, but yeah, I know what you mean. You're watching him on screen and you're just sort of going, oh, you know, and that's how it's designed, you know, and yeah. that's and he does a great job of that. Okay, are you ready to oh, play some favorite things? Oh yeah, please play some favorite things. Here we go. Okay, so um, this was a game, very complicated game, that was developed by my nine-year-old, now 10-year-old, whereby I ask you your favorite things of a thing, and then you tell me what it is, without thinking very much. Okay. Got to go from your gut. There's a a 10-year-old theme happening in our conversation, and I like this. You know, I mean, in the world of Yellowstone, John Dutton is a character that that just looms large. In the world of Sabrina and Paul Furminger, Mari Furminger is a character that looms large. And I think I heard her at the beginning of the show. She did a great job. Yeah, she does our, she is, she has so many dreams and she's working hard. She wants to be a voice actor. And so she's studying right now. And um, she also says that watching cartoons is studying. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely is. Mommy watches 29 episodes of Yellowstone in a week. right studying so all right now i'm getting distracted okay and now you're making a face that includes like a squint and a kind of a serious almost a cowboy face okay go ahead i will say though before we get into favorite things john dutton really reminded me of my grandfather uh who i mean was one of those I mean, he was an immigrant from Ukraine. He worked in a factory for 40 years, and then he bought himself some land. And he was, he was a farmer at the end of his life and just so stoic and put family first and kind of really gruff, you know. Mm-hmm. I loved all the calluses on his hands. So if I can embody a little bit of my, my Gigi, my proud Gigi, yeah. uh, feels good. To, feels good. All right. You ready? I'm ready. Favorite karaoke song. Oh, um, okay. I already like this game. And um, is this like rapid fire? Am I supposed to be able to quickly, uh, ooh, favorite karaoke song. It's been so long uh, since I've, I think I'll, I'll go with the only one I can remember doing, which is um, Should I Stay or Should I Go? That's a great one. Which was a lot of fun, yeah. Was that like a super late night one and everybody's like, or, or was it? Yeah, it was towards the end of my time in Japan. And I think we went out to the karaoke thing. Real karaoke, where it's like part of the lifestyle. Yeah, we were in sort of a little room, like a tiny little room. And there was, I don't know, 20 of us in there and one by one singing. And they chose the song for me, I think related to 
I was leaving the country. You were leaving. The, the cast <laughs> of the play that I was in, and I sort of had fun shouting that one out. Yeah. Favorite song lyric. <laughs> I you love, see, my cat is I now love, part of this too. Yes, I can see your cat, but I'm more. I'm, I'm laughing also at. Um, I wish people could see because you're you're leaning you're leaning in. Mm-hmm. You're leaning in to the microphone and getting incredibly serious. This is a serious game. You're Very right. serious game. Could you could you repeat the question mostly so that I can see you do that again? Favorite song lyric. Okay. Um, I would say it's. Um, oh boy. Glad you can edit out this so long. Quiet. No, this is part of the fun oh, of this it. This stays in. Okay. Yeah, of course oh, it does. This is part of it. Um, <laughs> I think it would have to be probably um, the, the, the chorus of um, In My Life by the Beatles. Oh. Yeah. I had somebody sing that at my wedding. We brought somebody is that in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Could, could could we sing it together now? No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> um, Although I will say I did. This is very revealing about Sabrina. Um, I did a 45 minute set of jazz and musical theater standards at my wedding because I was like, this is going to be the most captive, supportive audience that yes. I've ever had. Oh, that's great. And it was so fun. Yeah. No. And we we had karaoke at the wedding too. And oh. we had poker. I, it was a, I wanted a party. The point of the wedding, I mean, besides getting married, was for people to have fun, you know? Yeah. And so we did everything in the same venue. And um, we, had, we, we had made a mockumentary that we showed. And yeah, we had poker and Scrabble for all of the Filipino aunties from Paul's side. And, oh, um, and karaoke and a concert. And because I knew so many artists, like we had a tap dancer and sing, singer-songwriters. And it was great. That was a lot I of fun. I think... Once the uh, pandemic has cleared up a bit, I think it's time for you guys to renew your vows mm-hmm, and have mm-hmm. a big old party for Absolutely. Vancouver, the YVR scene, and let us all come because that sounds like a great party. Yeah, I actually, I've been, oh man, the pandemic just like totally like derailed my plans, but I wanted to start doing YVR screen scene live events, you know, mm. where I would either get like the cast of a show, we'd, we'd show something on a screen and then we'd, they'd have a reunion that I would host or, or even just to have like, you know, cause Viv used to have so many great parties around it. And I wanted to host like a Wavir screen scene party for the oh, community. Well, you will, you will. I will, down and the you're road. you're doing other things I noticed cause you've got additional podcasts now. That's right, yeah. Yeah, I'm really trying to get the most, I mean, you said that we met at the UBCP Actor Awards. It, like I hosted a red carpet that was over Zoom. Like, it it, you know, I'm doing whatever that event, I can. <laughs> that event, I want to say, back to the word community, um, you know, this is a very supportive and, and close-knit community. And, and I know people say that, but for people listening, it's, it's so true compared to I've worked in a lot of places in the world. There is something about the, 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 the community here. You know, we, we're used to meeting, say, for example, in audition waiting rooms or you know, at premiere parties or at screenings or at plays or things like that. And it is, it is an incredibly, there's a cat standing on your shoulder. Don't look now. Um, what a beautiful cat. Um, it's Wade Wilson. He's never done this before. He's, he's literally like, I'm sort of pirate and parrot like uh, <laughs> listeners, perched on Sabrina's shoulder. 
Um, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I, I, I should have done a screenshot here. Um, but it's such a supportive community. And, you know, my closest friends tend to be the people that I see the most who are the people that we compete for roles. Yeah. But, but everyone helps each other run lines and they, they'll come out and say, oh, they're looking for something a little darker. Like well, they'll support, they'll try to champion one another here, which is, which is uh, rare. And so to, I brought that up because that bash you threw that night, along with the great people at UBCP Actra, was such a fun party. It's, and we, we're all missing our community right now. We're all missing kind of connecting. And that felt like those amazing and funny vignettes in between with that incredible cast of actors. Oh, they were um, so good. And, and I know this is not for, for listeners who haven't seen it, but it was just this, this virtual party we all had together and uh, it was one of my favorite events of the year. And you yeah. did such a great job. And I Thank know, you. I, I hosted a red carpet you. awards in my kitchen. It was amazing. I and know. It is. I can, I'll include a link to both the red carpet and the award show in the episode notes. And you can watch it on CBC Gem in Canada and Perfect. on YouTube internationally. Yeah, but that was so fun. Um, did you answer my question? I don't, I don't even... think, I don't remember you leaning in and saying anything serious and. Oh uh, no. Cause you said in my life. And then we talked about my wedding <laughs> and then we yeah, talked and about events and, uh, and, and a parrot cat on your shoulder. Yeah. And the parrot cat. Well, I think we're, we're on track. We really are. This is very par for the course for this episode. Okay. Leaning in. Favorite. Leaning in. Yep. 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 Hey, let me, let me do this. Let me do this. Okay. Favorite Vancouver shot series past or present that you haven't appeared in? Favorite Vancouver shot series, past or present, that I haven't appeared in, has to be X-Files. Has to be. I, you're perfect for X-Files. I Thank you. Um, but I was also perfect to be parked in front of a screen watching it. I, mm -hmm. I loved that show. That was yeah. really fantastic. And um, yeah, I think I've seen every episode of that. Are you a are you a believer in the paranormal? Hmm. Yeah, I think so. I mean, sure. I've had some weird experiences. I don't think I've seen an alien or anything, but um, absolutely, it's yeah. magic, right? Back to well, I, magic, and honestly, I think that we are we are so full of ourselves to think if we think that we as humans know everything. Mm. No, ever it can it can explain away everything, you know. So I think that yeah. there's a lot that we don't know yet, and um, yeah. that's the excitement of science, right? Is to to dive in and, and the truth ask those is questions. out there. Yeah. The truth is out there, John, but so are lies. <laughs> can I say something? Um, we shot a scene. Well, we shot several scenes uh, for Batwoman. The house that August Cartwright lives in mm -hmm. was Mulder's house from X-Files. Yeah, I know. Isn't that great? And somebody, one of the producers knew that and brought it up and everybody on the crew and the cast made the same face you just made, which was, yeah. what? that's amazing. <laughs> and then we're all kind of running around, you know, looking at the nooks and crannies going, oh yeah, this was the door. This is his living room. You know, that was, uh, yeah, that was his house. That's amazing. Yeah. Favorite supervillain? Oh, easy. Darth Vader. Done. I mean, I, I, I approve of that. But why? What is it about Darth? Mr. Uh, Vader. I mean, yeah, Mr. Yeah, Mr. V, please, to you. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. When I was a seven-year-old man, I, he was in my, my nightmares. He was, 
he was so effective, right? And the features don't change, but the inflections in the in the phenomenal voice change. Mm. Um, it, it there's so much mystery, and we talked earlier about layers in villains. There are so many layers, and now we know more of his story too. Yeah, I, I don't just, look him at I don't look at him as a villain anymore. Yeah, isn't that well interesting? Interesting. Yeah. So I'll say I'll say Darth Vader in you know, episodes four, five, and six. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm inventing a new question. Oh. Favorite Star Wars film from the original trilogy? Empire Strikes Back. No question. Um, Same. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's got it, everything. It, it, it does have everything. Um, although as a child, it was absolutely Return of the Jedi, you know, because of the, like, the spectacle of it all and, mm-hmm. the, and the Ewoks and, and the party at the end. But no, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's the dark one, right? It's the one where Luke could go either way. Yeah, you know, that's it's, true. Uh, and that's then it true. has uh, one, hell of a, one hell of a cliffhanger. Yes. All right. I got one more question, okay. although I could do this all day. Yeah, this is fun. Is this going to be yeah. a lean-in question, or is this just kind of a closing? John, haven't, oh. haven't you learned yet? They're all lean-in questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're right. And I'm giving, like, lean-back answers. Sorry. <laughs> this will be the one. Favorite junk food? Mm. <laughs> we'll close with a deep question. Yeah, I was really, <laughs> really preparing myself. Favorite junk food is Twizzlers. Mm-hmm. My daughter will approve of that. Okay. Um, although she will have a follow-up. Because as I say, she looms large here and I just want to make her happy. Did you really make that question up on the spot? Which one? The favorite junk food. No, no. I I'm made honest. up the, uh, the one about the favorite favorite film from the original trilogy favorite junk food is absolutely here and this is one of her original questions yeah she also she also wanted to know like favorite animal favorite vacation destination favorite hot beverage but we're not going to go there um favorite junk food twizzler yeah and she will she will follow up with a question about twizzler about the temperature of the twizzler because she likes twizzlers but she would want to know how do you feel about frozen Uh, twizzlers uh, oh fro now listen i will say to your daughter um thank you for start because i haven't tried the frozen twist i feel like i'm in you're from chicago and milwaukee these are places that get very cold in the winter right we don't put our twizzlers in the yard you know we don't um we don't we don't bury them in the snow although that might be a a trend that will start after this but i'm i'm gonna (laughs) guess having not tried it i will report back to you but i think i'm an omni twizzler like i think i will have a twizzler at any temperature and uh, enjoy it. It's that's that for me is the don't get it when you go to the movie because I'll eat an entire uh, bag of it if I yeah. if I'm allowed to and and um, yeah. So I'll bring frozen next time. I only eat like I I don't buy Twizzlers like in my daily life for fun. Um, I will only eat them in a movie theater, you know. Or Mario will get them for Halloween and then they, we put them in the bowl. And then if we were to go to a movie theater, which we don't go to movie theaters anymore because COVID, um, I will bring some to eat. Yes. In the movie theater. It's perfect movie food. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it funny how some products will be our, you know, our, our go-to for a certain experience? Like, I, I have a friend who, he, he, he buys a certain shampoo only if he's going on vacation. Like, and he'll, because it reminds him of being in some, you know, interesting or faraway place. And he says if he has it the same, uses the same shampoo, I think he said, uh, when he's home, it just doesn't have the same experience for him. I'm sad. You would hope that he would he would use that shampoo to feel like he's on yeah. vacation, you know? 
as long uh-huh. as as long as he uses some shampoo at home, I think it's fine. Um, I but, think um, yeah, yeah, that's good too. Cleanliness. And I'm just jotting down frozen. Twizzlers. Well, I think Shamari likes the frozen Twizzlers because you can snap them. Yeah, uh, and then you can also use them when you're drinking your your uh, Perrier or San Pellegrino because she's a fancy child. Okay, yes. I have one more question. Okay. Do you hear the cat? God, he's <laughs> such a dick right now. Cat leaned in. Yeah. Do you have in your career, what the fuck? This is actually my life moments? And if so, when do those happen for you? Oh, I really do. I honestly do. I, when do those happen for me? It, it's, so I, I, I'm, I'm going to be repeating on a theme here. There is nothing like, uh, the, the, the quote that is credited to Oscar Wilde is that, he said he loves acting because it's so much more real than life. Mm. And there is just something magical about being with three or four other people and telling a story that just falls into the pocket at, at, in those moments. And you actually are sort of really buying this moment and buying these relationships. And I don't necessarily mean you're thinking of selling it to the audience. You're, you're really experiencing it yourself. And uh, so th- to get to try on lives like that and to experiment and to really um, feel like you're helping tell a good story and it's really worked in a moment, that's the moment where I'm just sort of on a high afterwards, like a euphoric, wow, I cannot believe I get to do this. I can, you know what's funny though? When you said try on lives, I just flashed to you as August, like trying to stick some like face that you've taken off of somebody else and trying to yeah. stick it on your son. So you like to like put on other people's skin suits basically. Yeah. Well, okay. That's one way to say it. <laughs> uh, um, I, th- I think mine was a more um, thoughtful answer, but let's go with. Uh, Yours is more elegant. Mine is more to the point. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> John Emma Tracy, you're going to come back, right? Love to. Uh, if we do end up seeing you in season four of Yellowstone or, you know, I, we, you can, can confirm nor deny anything, right. um, but you'll come back and talk to us, right? I'd love to. Yeah. I'd love to. This has been okay. a lot of fun. So much fun to talk to you, to your cat. Yeah, he's, I will say though, I mean, he is a dick. I mean, cats are generally dicks, but he's never done that before. Um, I think it has to do with me killing a cat on television. I, I feel like he was staring deep into my soul. He watched um, that episode with me. Through the Zoom camera. And he was like, now, wait a minute. Is this the guy? This is the guy. Yeah. He, he might have a cat. beard right now He's trying to cover now, his face. But, but I know him. I see you. I see you. That's kind of what he was sending me as a message. He actually, um, I watch all, anything that I stream. I mean, he's watched 29 episodes of Yellowstone. I don't know what's doing to his brain. Um, anyway, John, Emma Thank Tracy, you. where can our fans find you, follow you, celebrate you on the social um, media? On the street was probably the safest um, spot to follow me. Uh, no. Don't, um, don't follow him on the street. That is not good. I will, say, I will speak up for people in John's life who care about him. Don't follow him on the street. <laughs> don't follow on the street. Um, well, I'm going to be looking over my shoulder for your cat now because I, I yeah, I heard that meow. Um, oh, okay. Um, the social media you asked about. Yes. Uh, thank you. The, I'm on Instagram and it's uh, j.e.tracy. Mm-hmm. And then Twitter is just John Emmett Tracy. Um, 
And you probably are going to spell one or two of those names wrong, but it should usually show you. Uh, it's one T for Emmett, and then right. Y. Four M's. No, Four M's. Uh, two M's in the middle. Yeah. Um, and then, are you an E Y or a Y? You're just a Y. No, I'm just a Y. You see, yeah, this okay. is this is my. If I had a fourth name, it would be another long, uh, complicated to spell name, and it would be even worse. But um, yes, exactly. You know, and we will have links. Eyes. We'll have links to all of your social media haunts uh, in the footnotes for this episode. This was so right. fun. Thank you. Thank you, John. It was great. Thanks Thank for you to me. our listeners. These are people who've been here the whole time. They've listened. They have. We have probably been accompanying them while they have been in their car, running errands, wearing masks, or doing their dishes. We appreciate you very, very much. Please like and subscribe. Leave us a review if you're so inclined. They help us find even more listeners. You can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVRScreenScene. The YVRScreenScene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Ronnie-Mara Ferminger. And it's edited by Simon Ferminger. Special thanks to Mariana Ferminger, who looms large. She recorded our Patreon ad to Paul Ferminger for technical support and to Dane, not Ferminger, Devlet for the original music. YBR Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut. Hiring professional performers makes all the difference to the success of any recorded media project. Did you know that the Union of BC Performers, ACTRA, provides agreements for all budgets and types of productions, including commercials, TV series and movies, feature films, from big budget to Canadian indies and student films, animation series, video games, web series, and even streaming video on demand, like Netflix? For instance, our highly successful UBCP ACTRA Ultra Low Budget Agreement encourages and facilitates artistic collaboration between professional performers and independent producers who wish to produce very low budget or even no budget productions. No matter what your budget, we've got you covered and you too can benefit from UBCP ACTRA's award-winning world-class performers. So, if you need actors, voiceover artists, stunt coordinators, stunt performers, singers, dancers, puppeteers, stand-ins, background performers, ranging across any age or demographic, then just contact us at UBCP ACTRA. Make your project the very best that it can be. This message was read by a UBCP ACTRA member. Go to ubcp.com for more information.